0: And welcome to a Friday edition of The Dice Are Screaming. Oh. I'm Randy. And I am Mike. And we are the Dice Man, and we have come to your podcast. Or you'll come to us. One of the two. But whatever it is, welcome. <laughs> if,
1: if this is your first night at Podcast Club, you have to podcast. Uh oh. <laughs> ah. What's the second rule? <laughs> we don't talk about
0: podcasts. Oh, like yeah. Them. I always forget that one. I don't right. <sighs> you know.
1: What? they. Hey. Happened to have it as the first rule, too. You didn't get that either, huh? No. I don't miss Left that. you off the memo chain? I missed that one. I was asleep during it. <laughs> I had a black eye from last week's podcast club.
0: Oh. You're to me about what I got. All right. So, welcome again. And, of course, it's Friday, so it's your Friday edition. Hope you got some good gaming lined up. And uh, if not, well, hey, maybe you can get some ideas from us. If we have some good topic for you tonight. As well as some call-ins. So, we're going to get to those in just a minute. But first... A note from our sponsor, Dino Laser. This <laughs> podcast brought to you by Dino Laser. Where all good laser products are sold. Look for Dino Laser!
1: Ha ha ha! Dino Laser. Yeah. Everybody wants one. That's right. I just man, I feel like I want to ride that into battle on the cover of a classic 70s sci-fi novel.
0: Indeed. So with <laughs>
1: wait, wait, wait. Hey, Dino Laser, if your employer suddenly terminates your employment, has he fired the Dino Laser? Oh, man. Ah, dead jokes for the ah, win. Right. I'm in rare form.
0: But thank you, Dino Laser. We appreciated <laughs> the those. The rarer me- the better. <laughs> Appreciate those messages on our Facebook page. Ah, right oh man. And uh, so before we turn into that, we have some call-ins. That's right. So, we're going to get to the first one right away here. Uh, this is, I think, from Froth, isn't it?
2: Froth. Yeah,
0: Froth. Calling in. So, we're going to give it to Froth.
2: Take it away. What's up, y'all? It's Froth. I wanted to let you know I really enjoyed the character podcast. I was dying. Uh, I love uh, Farstucker. I could I could watch a movie with Farstucker in it. <laughs> but... Um, I don't get to play as much as I'd like. I usually end up being the a, a GM, but most of the characters I run, you know, that I've done recently are all kind of humorous. I like to play like a fish out of water, or like a feral character or some character that has no idea about the traditions or the social customs or wherever they are, um, or an android or, you know, something that just has no social skills. Uh my most memorable character though is uh going back to Marvel Superheroes. I think I mentioned it before. I had this kind of suave, I guess, odd job from Bond inspired character called Top Hat that uses hat and cane as a weapon. Anyway, running out of time. See y'all. Hey, thanks for that uh character story there, uh, Ross. Top um,
1: hat. Yeah. I love it. That is good superhero gaming. I would have never thought of that. What a gimmick. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole odd job Bond era, you know, uh, you know, butt-kicking Malie fighter,
0: but with a hat and a cane. Indeed. That's and, nice. And also the Barstucker movie. Well, we're still uh, negotiating for the rights to that one, but we'll keep you up to date when that happens. <laughs> oh, man, if only. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that, that'll be a straight to... Uh, Adult rated <laughs> content. I don't think that that's fit for it's, normal people. It's gonna so. be in
1: the back aisle of the video store. I mean, you know, well, actually, it'll be such a cheap release, it'll still be in video stores. <laughs>
0: I don't well, really yeah, guess. but you know, hey, okay, maybe yeah. Netflix will pick it up. Who knows?
1: <laughs> Who knows? Get it on Amazon Prime. There, no. Uh, <laughs> I only dream of things like that. He was. It was just a fun character to. Uh, let my hair down and go nuts, Uh, and, you know, just listen to all of my worst
0: impulses. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, as the Game Master, I had to listen to it, too, so hey. You really did. You were a trooper, dude. I am. Uh, I am a gentleman, I think. Um, On that note, uh, we have uh, some other character stories. Joe Richter, from the Wheel or Woe podcast, called into with some of his character stories. So let's go right to Joe hey what's up randy what's up mike this is joe richter uh i'd be happy to be your sports anchor dudes that would be the best I think I'd need to come up with some sort of cool catchphrase like, oh, that's a real humdinger, or something like that. But that was a great episode, hearing you dudes talk about your characters, made me think of my first ever character, which was a back in AD&D days. He was a dwarf named Joe Boondy, and every time he'd kill somebody, he'd have to run around the battlefield and find something to prop one foot up on, you know, a rock, a stump, a goblin head, whatever. Put one foot up on that, one hand on his hip, and say... I am Joe Boondi. He was the best, man. He would pause the whole game until he could find something. Uh, anyway, he died when he failed his poison-saving throw, when he licked uh, goblin blood off his
2: axe, and the rest of the party could not have been happier.
0: You guys have a good one. Peace. Joe Boondi. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yep, there you go. Uh, see, I'm not alone in being victimized by... Player characters. So, I only imagine the patience of your Dungeon Master, Game Master at the time. But what a death. Licking Lick- goblin,
1: goblin blood, blood
0: off of the axe. Wow. Wow.
2: Man,
1: who knew goblins were so poisonous? Ah, just it, geez, It's not like they're Barstucker's blood. Oh, you know, Barstucker's blood doesn't even like to associate with Barstucker's blood.
2: Mm.
0: Good point. <laughs> and also, uh, thanks for that character story, man. That's Joe Bundy. I mean, Joe Bundy. going to live on was here. He's going to live on as well in legend as well as temerity. <laughs> I love that the other players couldn't have been happier. Yeah. Yes,
1: he's down. <laughs> the last we hear of Joe Bundy.
0: Uh. But yeah, thanks everybody for giving the character stories and uh we also have a call in from Tim Shorts from State Gothbridge man. All right. Yeah, he's talking about our Dungeon Master question. He is the Dungeon Master really a player. And, uh, you know, he has some of his insights. So we'll turn it over to Tim Shorts. Take it away.
3: Hey, guys. Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor here. I'm sorry my message didn't come through. Yeah, I'd seen that question being tossed around. And I kept on looking at it. I'm just, I Because sometimes people ask questions and I just don't think they're... I think they're more for clickbait kind of stuff than an actual good question in my case i mean i mean the gm is not a player but he plays like you were saying and i thought your take on it was you know uh interesting in that uh and i was thinking about doing my own cast about but i never got around doing it so um yeah i mean there was another one going around i can't remember what the question was but it kind of fell in the same category it was sort of like a a poorly phrased question in a way or one that didn't make any sense or there was no true answer to the question and because it counter counteracted itself or whatever so thanks guys keep up the great work
0: all right thanks tim uh thanks for that yeah i'm glad you appreciated it uh, it was a
1: weird question too to me I mean, you know it just seemed like uh you know much like you described it was you know, self-contradicting and
0: you show up at a table with dice and you're not a player. <laughs> yeah. Well, we felt that it was worth talking about and, you know, it was going around. So it was just kind of one of those things like, hey, let's talk about this tonight. So, uh, yeah, i glad you appreciate it. And again, uh, sorry about the message thing, but I just didn't go through sometimes anchors like that, but appreciate you giving a call in and, uh, hope everything's going well on your end. So, uh, take care and thanks for giving us the input. Uh, we, uh. We definitely did have some fun doing that little uh, snippet there. And uh, I think we nailed it down pretty well as far as we're <laughs> concerned. But uh, again, we like to have differing opinions. And you, we're missing the mark. Hey, man, tell us. Uh, we're more than willing to walk oh, back something.
1: Yeah, and I'm okay with being wrong. I mean, good Lord, I have enough practice at it. Yeah. Well, I am expert le- I am epic level at wrong. Uh, I have like all the skill points maxed out in that category.
0: Woohoo! Yeah, so uh, which brings us to being wrong because uh, we are wrong, <laughs> often and often. proudly. Yes, proudly wrong. Um, we are the discount.
1: Oh well, uh, the discount hot sauce of uh, gaming podcasts. Yeah,
0: and uh, you know,
1: here at the the Dicer Screaming, we are, you know, we're we're spicy, but we're not as spicy as the good stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll get you through your uh, ramen, but yeah. you know, we're <laughs> we're not anything special, so. <laughs> The
1: third tier outlet ramen, Whoa. of gaming podcasts, yeah.
0: Buying bulk. <laughs> uh, so tonight we're going to talk about a game that we've had a lot of fun with. It it is kind of relevant to, oh, D&D, yeah, uh, because it has a lot of the same tropes, and that's Shadowrun. Yeah, oh yeah, Shadowrun. It's been around for a while. This incarnation, which uh, good on it. Uh,
1: and we remember it from its very first. Yeah. Uh, awkward though it may have been, I mean, it really hit its stride uh, a couple of editions in. Yeah. Uh, really smoothed out that system because, I, from a mechanical standpoint, I have some criticisms. I'm just gonna we get, have concerns. I'm going to get the negatives out first, okay? I'm going to get the negatives out first, and then we're just going to focus on how much we do like this game. So you know, I mean, I'm going to take you to Mordor. But don't worry, I will get you back to the Shire. Alright. Uh, the dice pool system, particularly with regard to magic and decking, was a little bit of an obstacle for new players. Okay. Yeah. It was I I feel it was needlessly complicated uh, and a little unwieldy, and it led to some mighty dice piles at higher level play.
0: No.
1: Oh. Uh, just, you know, alright, got an entire pocket filled with, you know, dice, and <laughs> I'm going to use all of them for this game. Oh. Uh, it, it, there are two camps on that. Gamers love dice. Uh, or at least a great, great many of us do, and I'm pretty darn fond of them myself, but uh, it got a little overkill there for me. Uh, they removed some of the clunkiness as time went on. They 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 thinned out the necessities. Uh, uh, some of the early editing was not quite on point, so there were some you know errata in those earliest editions that needed correcting. But let's talk good stuff, okay? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, Shadowrun came at a time when. Cyberpunk was coming to the poor, and we were talking last week about, uh, or last podcast not earlier this week. Boy, it seems like weeks passed by, but uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, character in Cyberpunk, and that kind of started me thinking about Shadowrun again, and it's been coming up on uh, the Twitter sphere, as well as some of the places up on Facebook as well. Uh, Shadowrun, as Mike said, yeah, it's a complicated system, but let's talk about the setting, and that's where its main strength is. Um, the movie Bright. Recently came out on Netflix, and people said, you know, they should make a role playing game of this. And one of the means was is having Will Smith go <laughs> n- have his arms outstretched, right, and looking incredulous next to a copy of the Shadowrun book. And uh, of course, that's what you would normally go to. Uh, Shadowrun was a kind of mismatch of if Gip- William Gibson wrote Lord of the Rings, yeah, and all the dystopian. Presence of and baggage of cyberpunk was lumped in with your fantasy tropes of dragons and elves and orcs. And it kind of came into this form with magic returning to the world and part of a cycle. And it used the kind of Mayan uh, calendar, which we've already uh, passed.
1: Yeah, the date has worn out on that, but
0: uh, at the we time that we were like this, over this, I
1: remember this was, you know, like 20 years before that date was going to tick up on us, so, uh, you know, we thought it was pretty cool, like, yeah, the Mayan calendar, and then magic comes back to the world, and poof, people turn into whatever, you know, hidden genes buried in their system decide to spring back out and bang, you're an orc, and poof, you're an elf. Uh, that was pretty cool. I mean, that was a great way to fuse science fiction
0: with fantasy. They just, they nailed it on the backstory. Yep, and the rise of the mega corporation, which is essential to part of cyberpunk. And, of course, we have to talk about cyberpunk a little bit to get kind of into the core of what Shadowrun was about at the time. But, uh, you know, the mayhem of Shadowrun is also one of its big attractions and violence. <laughs> a lot of violence is essential to running any Shadowrun campaign, uh, primarily because you have well armed gangs cranked I'm, up on magic and drugs and all sorts of uh, shenanigans, you, and you, they're just up to up to no good. You have an a very limited
1: supply of comfort and luxury. Yes, and a very large population of people. Competing for it. Uh, so those who have it are protecting the things that ensure that they get it. And those who don't have it are trying to get their paws on whatever will get them a little further ahead. A very doggy dog world in Shadowrun.
0: Yep, or even uh, in... a trip down to the local uh, stuffer shack results in a massive firefight. Welcome to the convenience store massacre number 37. Yep. Uh, So you have that, as well as the social people of orcs and trolls and dwarves and elves and dragons and numerous other metamagical creatures of legend returning back into the world. And along with that ecological destruction and social issues of these new... Races sort of appearing, and how humanity deals with this, and how the dynamics of the government and corporations competing against each other all fall apart, allowing the mega corporations to step up and be the main powers in the world.
1: Yeah, that the vacuum created uh, because you know power <laughs> uh, does not exist. Uh, you know, power will not abide a vacuum. You know, wherever some power moves out, new power will move in. Uh, so in the world of Shadowrun just as chaos strikes and saps the ability of any stable form of government to accomplish even most the most routine tasks as it's frantically trying to deal with constant crisis, uh, voila! Up steps the no longer heavily policed ultra-corporation uh, and they have the power to flex their muscles, the money to hire all the troops and get all the weapons that they need. And the, you know, they become non state actors of enormous importance. Uh, and corporations in Shadowrun are also your best source of plot hooks. And yep. It's all about the corporations because if you're trying to make money, they're the people who've got
0: it. Yep. And so the Mega Corps. Um, have kind of taken over as the main power, although the governments are still there and all sorts of things like that. But the police forces are all uh, rent a You know, Lone Star is the <laughs> primary uh, police force. Everything has been privatized. Yep. So, into this, you kind of have... Very this, RoboCop, you know, execute order so-and-so, you know. Yes. Yeah, Secret the, hidden order. <laughs> well, yeah, they're beholden to no one but the bottom uh, line. So, so, you know, police forces are, um, they obviously go where the money is, and in places where there's no money, there's no law enforcement. So this creates lawless areas that you can have these massive firefights go on with fireball tossing and all that. But only where it isn't going to bother anybody important. That's right. Uh, So Shadowrun
1: is very much also about subtlety. There's a time and a place for everything. Uh, You go to a really fancy... Uh, dress location uh, where the uptown people gather, you do not shoot that up lightheartedly. No. No. Because... The response will be heavy and and merciless. Yeah, no... There's no courtroom on this one, okay?
0: (laughs) Yep, they're just filling out the paperwork afterwards.
1: Yeah. Now, on the other hand, picking the time and place, observing your enemies, watching them closely... You paying attention to their movements, being aware or acquiring uh, diagrams of their bolt holes or hideouts, and then using those so that you can pick a time and place that is much more to your advantage, uh, discreetly, and with your team completely ready, so that you can surgically get in, get what you want, and get out. That right. is the heart of a great shadow run.
0: Yeah, shadow run. May- oh, and it's not done until you had at least. Two double crosses. Oh, sure. Um, but Shadowrun, as the game setting, gave you a lot of focus and emphasis on lawless areas and areas where you had to obey the laws and watch what you are doing and you couldn't carry an assault rifle out in the open without, you know, getting thrown to the ground or uh, hopefully tased. That would be the most merciful thing to happen. Yeah, you got off-flight. But they gave... The characters of Shadowrun are principally Shadowrunners. Now, what are Shadowrunners? They're people without a corporate identification number known as a SIN, which means that you can't get normal employment and benefits. So you are kind of fell between the cracks, whether by accident, by purpose, or by other means like you know, getting your assets burned from a corporation and being cast out.
1: Yeah, it, it, take a note from the show Burn Notice. You know, it's it's a little like that. Yeah. Instead of a government agency, you know, you worked for a corporate agency, and they tired of you, or for whatever reason, whatever double cross went wrong, it doesn't matter. What happened is they just torched you. Just psst, we're done with you, and you got out alive, which is better than most. So now you're stuck down in the gutter with all the losers.
0: Right, and so
1: <laughs> you were supposed to be a shadow runner, making their way the only way they know how. That's just a little bit more than the law
0: will allow. Hmm. Very Duke's a hazard, esque Oh, uh, well, I I guess that's one way to look at it, sure. Um, I think that uh, the one thing that Shadowrun did well with making the characters kind of outcasts, but yet they had necessary skills and abilities that made them want, or wanted corporations to hire them for clandestine runs that they didn't want to have on the books, legitimately, they would hire a Mr. Johnson to preferably go out and recruit sh- a team of shadow runners, gather them together from preferably a fixer or other contact. Which brings to the fact that when you created a character in Shadowrun, you were one of basically four types. They didn't have classes per se, but they certainly got into the niche. You had your deckers, the net runners or hackers, if you will, and that was presumably because you could interface directly with your cyberdeck. And go into the matrix, and this was done all before the internet was. We even knew what it was going to look like.
1: No, we we, we really there were only people making the vaguest of guesses. Uh, probably uh, the most uh, what what was the oddball movie with uh, Keanu Reeves that uh,
0: Henry Rollins was a doctor? Oh, in? well, that was Johnny Mnemonic. That was actually Johnny Mnemonic.
1: Uh, Johnny Mnemonic. That, that was a William Gibson exactly. uh, short story. It was a short story from William Gibson, who also did Neuromancer. Uh, people were guessing at what shape the Internet might take. And Shadowrun, honestly, you know, I mean, it really had a, a pretty solid
0: grasp on where things were going. And it's all about the data. Yeah, and also some uh, science fiction cliches of cyberware, bioware, and changing what basically it was to be human. Um, but uh, you had your cyber monsters, which were technically called street samurai or... Uh, yeah, the
1: the quality that represented your uh, mortalness, your <laughs> connection to the the world of like living, thinking, reasoning creatures, uh, was referred to as essence. And it, the more cyberware you had installed, the less essence you had and it could mean being a little more subject to magic effects because yeah. you you lost a little piece of your humanity
0: when you had it replaced
1: with dermal plating 3 yeah
0: yeah and all limbed up with cyber limbs and of course uh, you had cyberware and bioware and other enhancements but uh you also had skilled characters that could be used like riggers who directly could uh manifest their will inside a machine either driving a vehicle or Using a drone. So, you know, drones are a thing now. And so that was obviously something that uh, back then we kind of didn't understand what the big deal about drones are. But now. Much like uh, Hardwired. uh, John. Walter John Williams. Walter
1: John Williams' book Hardwired with the uh, Panzer Jock, which was a guy who drove basically a tank that he was wired into. He would plug it into his brain. Yeah, he's. He's, he's got it wired directly into his brain, plugs in right behind his ear. And he's suspended in a mesh web so that he's not plying around the inside of this thing. Uh, but, you know, that's how he operates it. And riggers are very much like that.
0: Dude. Yeah, and also using drones and other things like that uh, to spy out areas. But uh, technically speaking, uh, the other part was magic users.
1: casters. Yeah,
0: shamans and mages. Two distinct types were shamans using totems and more ancient forms of magic. And mages using a hermetic form, formulaic. Mostly uh, out of the kind of John Dean yes. uh, kind of uh, formulas. But uh, all that came true. So you, had, you would create a uh, cast of characters that uh, had diverse skills and backgrounds. One of the things I liked about Shadowrun right off the bat was contacts. It wasn't just your character how powerful they were, but it was who they knew.
1: Yeah, you could uh, be really broke going into the game, uh, and maybe have a decent skill set, uh, but not a penny to your name and lousy equipment, because you cashed it in on a very powerful contact. Uh, it was a thing that was treated as having as much value as the quality of your gear, the degree mm-hmm. of your cyberware, uh, the amount of cash you began with, or you know, the skill points that you were able to pour into various abilities. That contacts meant opportunity and problem solving abilities. Right. Not everything is in your bailiwick. Uh, you, Mr. I don't have a SIN number. <laughs> y- you don't have clout in the corporate world. What yeah, if he's... you still got an old pal over at the company who's got some rank and uh, a computer that isn't overly watched? maybe you can get some answers out of them.
0: Yeah, but also having informants and uh, accomplices on the street, like a fixer or a gang leader. Or uh, a
1: lone star cop who is open to the idea of a little uh, augmenting his salary. (coughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh.
0: (laughs) But uh, generally speaking... I got donuts. Oh, boy. You just said the magic word. (laughs) Um, Well, when you, uh, as a game master... Primarily, Shadowrun was a easy way to get all these characters from diverse backgrounds who were basically, they fell through the cracks. They could be high-end corporate agents that have now fallen afoul of their former masters to just uh, street scum made good. And best of
1: all to me, possibly just to me, they're not necessarily each other's friends either. They're mm. all in this for a payday. Right. and. You can play it as a team of people who really like each other and get along well and enjoy working together. Or you can play it as people who are all out for themselves uh, and are perpetually negotiating
0: because of that. It it can go on the way. Yeah. And it'll lend a new dynamic to the team aspect. So you had characters that when you would create them, of course, they had a very robust, which means complex, system to get a character that you wanted. And you could... Kind of play it both ways, like the Burnout Mage showed. You know, if you were a spellcaster, having cyber was a booting just as much as wearing plate mail and being a wizard. It just wasn't going to work together. But you could make it work, and you could have diverse characters, that, a hacker that had some rigging skills, or vice versa. But when you create a team, you came to the table, it was easy to get the hook in, which was Mr. Johnson, which was a nameless near-faceless entity that was interchangeable. Yeah, any corporate
1: goob yeah. who shows up with a job offer is a Mr. Johnson.
0: Yeah, it didn't always have to be corporations either. It could be other things. And into this, they had a complex world built of various secret societies and organizations, the elves and dragons were in it. Dragons owned two megacorps that I can recall. Ah, uh, Dunkelzahn. Yeah, on Dunkel and Haslich uh, who... Uh, Owned a petrochemical company. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these dragons just showed up with lumps of gold and just, you know, you know I now, I'm going to buy a controlling stock in this. Anybody going to fight me? No, no, no. Uh, that's fine.
1: No, not. Not really in the mood to argue. You know, if your money's good here. <laughs> Which, I mean, again, if their money wasn't good there, perhaps there would have been a fight. But, you know, you show up with gold. You get what you want, and also
0: you're as big as a Panzer tank. You know.
1: Well, sure. I'm not saying it wouldn't be difficult to <laughs> dispose of them. Uh, certainly, yeah. disposed of at least a couple of player characters. I recall oh, dragons yeah. were no joke. Okay, no. Let, let's let's pause on that note and mention that uh, a Shadowrun dragon. Well, that's a whole different cry from AD&D first edition dragon. Yeah. Okay, first edition. Yeah, look at da- a dragon is a very tough opponent. Uh, but a suitably well-prepared high-level group of adventurers have a really strong chance to take down a dragon uh, in a reasonable amount of time and come out of the encounter alive. Uh, Or at least, you know, able to bring a lost friend back. Not so the world of Shadowrun. Dragons are no joke. Uh, (laughs) They are... They're brutal. Just giant... Armored, a damage resistant, magically active, magically resistant mm-hmm. mofo's. They have it all. They they got the whole package, and they didn't get they didn't get shortchanged anywhere else. They're if you're looking for a chink in the armor, if you're looking for a spot where like, oh, here's their weak point. He's allergic to pepper. No,
0: nothing. Right, <laughs> and you have. And also you have the urban scape with new creatures lurking at the areas, uh, from ghoul gangs scavenging uh, to, uh, you know, ghouls, actual real ghouls that, you know, eat people and sell the cyberware off. You know, that's your organ legging, yeah. Yeah, not pretty. Yeah, uh. you had all that going on, and, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, very, uh, if you can imagine, Repo Man the Genetic Opera. Oh. Uh, you know, Shadowrun. Elements of that there too, you know, in, in the uh, ancient.
0: Uh, i ma- three months late on my payment to my uh, Yarvik Three Heart. Well, we're going to have to repossess that. But, but I'm still using it. Uh, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> did you read the fine print, son? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're on the You're on the hook for this.
0: Yeah. So, well, Chevron could be <coughs> complex to play. It was a lot of fun, and so you know, kind of put up with it. And various groups did different things. Uh, some people talk about changing the. Move- rule system from transplanting the rules from one to another and just keeping the setting and that's fine too I mean play what you like but uh, Shadowrun is a lot of fun and one of the things that it changed at the gaming table was it brung the fun of just having the diversity of fantasy characters and magic along with the dystopian future of cyberware net running corporate espionage firearms lots of guns I got a Heckler and
1: Kaj It's rifle uh you know, and it's wielded by a troll.
0: Yep. Panther <laughs> assault cannon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Panther assault. Troll with a minigun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Take that. <laughs> and, you know, you had uh, a lot of different things to do besides just constantly run espionage operations between two corporations. There was a whole world to explore, and the game grew out of that. And now it's a pretty well-fleshed-out de- world with a lot of diversity in the types of ventures you want to play, from taking on international corporate cartels to even just going and doing eco-friendly missions, you know, trying to save a rare species or magical quests into the astral plane. All that kind of stuff still happens. So,
1: Yeah, it's still on the table. I mean, it may not be the stuff for which Shadowrun is best known, uh, but in truth, uh, given the incredible variety of supernatural creatures that were also provided in the setting. It's entirely possible to do a standard dungeon crawl. Yes. We've been hired by an elf, Mr. Johnson, who wants something done for his clan. we got to go out into the woods of Seattle to an ancient building that wasn't even known during the time of the 20th century. It's just been dug up. And the entire crew that opened the you know like the the seals on it, all of them are gone, yeah, so they're sending losers like us in <laughs> and we're going into this dungeon, you know it's a, you know, like you got your help and your dwarf, and your troll and you know your, your humans, you got your your spell slingers and your machine gunners and all of that. you're going into a dungeon with machine guns. How awesome is that yeah it, it, I, it contains all the awesome. Some of it is, like, literally spilling out of the game. Yeah. Just awesome trailing behind you as you go. And,
0: you know, Shadowrun was a breath of fresh air at the table where, you know, your standard D&D kind of fantasy was still met with cyberware. And yet, it was political. It was social. You had to deal with racial terms. And you had to deal with some unrest as well in society.
1: Oh, yeah, the Humanist Politic Club that were ardently against people of non human origin, you know, considering them, uh, you know, creatures that needed to be dealt with harshly. Yes. Uh, That environment, and that was not the limit of it. Obviously, there were people who were radically uh, opposed to the best interests of the various corporations. Uh, Likewise, there were uh, groups that had their own you know, smaller agendas that were equally vocal. Yep. And the groups uh, listed there ranged in degree of uh, urgency uh, from uh, simple activism, uh, calling attention, publishing, you know, uh, internet speech, things like that, all the way to radical terrorism. So you had this network, this enormous uh, interconnected thing where So much is going on at the same time. Uh, You almost, it's impossible to pull it all into a single game. You kind of have to monofocus almost. Yeah. But it left you all of this on the plate so that you could come back and redesign another adventure that's more based around this, another adventure that's more based around that. Pick any side you want. Whatever your players are interested in tackling, you can make it.
0: Right, and that's what made it so much fun to uh, run and create adventures in because it was always different. Even though you were doing something that was just as simple as breaking an inner job into a corporation, into the research and development firm and steal this MacGuffin sitting on the counter. Yeah, whatever it happens to be, whatever the
1: goody du jour happens to be, uh,
0: grab it. And yep. get it to safety. But what was it about? And there was, as you said, the double cross. There was always something <laughs> that you could link into it. Did it have to do with the yakuza? Why are they attacking us?
1: It's a very Maltese Falcon moment, where you know Sydney Greenstreet. I'd like you to acquire me something of considerable value that I have been searching
0: for for many years. <laughs> yeah, and you know that makes a lot of fun because come also- with me, Mister Spade. You know, you never knew why some opponents were fighting you or what they wanted out of you.
1: Yeah, you might never find out which side they came from. And of course, if you're a good DM and you like to, you know, keep your players on their toes, not every sudden intervention has to go against them. Right. Sometimes when they're up against the wall and in a dark corner where, like, there's just no way they're going to get out of this, uh, it's nice to throw an intervention in from another agency that wants them to succeed. To humiliate their rivals.
0: <laughs> yep, and the other unsung hero of Shadowrun is the Dockwagon Contract. Now, the Dockwagon, <laughs> they may not have had resurrection spells. No. But Dockwagon, if your character you bought into the Dockwagon Contract, you had a contract that, uh, depending on what level you bought into, from basic all the way to platinum, you know they would send a high threat response team, full body armor and heavy weapons to extract you from a combat zone and save your skin. And yeah. try to resuscitate you.
1: Ah. Uh, and yeah, sure you might wind up in a tank for a few months uh while they regrow limbs and such like. But it certainly beats uh total and absolute character death. So there was a way out of that in Shadowrun. I'm I'm just gonna say that it, it was also hideously expensive. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so much for dystopian futures. <laughs> yeah, <wow. laughs> oh yeah. A uh, dystopian future doesn't sell as well quite these days. No,
0: it's it really hard to imagine things that are that are outrageous enough to quantify. But but like a lot of things <laughs> of cyberpunk, you know, real world technology began to outpace it. You know, you couldn't understand that in twenty thirty years you would have these cell phones and smartphones that were more powerful than any computer that you could uh, use at a desktop. And so you know yeah. there has been <laughs> this kind of retro creep where they try to regrade everything. But
1: yeah, I I know you know the. Nobody had yet conceived of a terabyte of data uh, at the yep. time that this game was published. So you'll you'll find a little uh, awkward moment if you get the original materials in your hands. And you go, oh, jeez, my laptop is better than the thing their deckers carry.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, you used to carry as a netrunner, a decker used to carry this big old honking keyboard. I think
1: my kid plays Mario Kart on something more powerful than that.
0: Yeah, and now you know, just the hacker. You know, they just care. They're just wired in uh to the wireless network all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you get a chance, check out some Shadowrun. You won't be disappointed. It's a lot of fun, and we talk about it in glowing terms. And it's oh, a big sure. topic, and if we kind of gloss through a couple of things, you know, that's because it's huge. It's and, yeah, there is. A, it is such a very large
1: presence uh, in terms of game material. They they built a very big world. A lot of the focus is out on the West Coast, uh, you know, the Seattle area. Uh, a lot of the materials provided are for that area. But once again, I mean, as we've often mentioned before, uh, only your creativity limits you. You can uh, decide that the, you know, tattered shell of New York City,
0: uh, you know, Oh well, New York's just fine. It's Chicago that's ruined. Oh well, they set off a nuke there to kill the bug spirits, but that—that <laughs> that you can look up for yourself. Yeah, yeah, but,
1: yeah look that up. But you know, the, the point being, you can alter the setting any way in which you please, and there is a very big world in which Shadowrun is taking place, uh, and it's more than we could possibly cover. Yeah, so they sure. have
0: like just to touch on that. They have the Berlin uh, sprawl. They have uh, uh, the Atlanta sub sprawls and uh, places in. Uh, of course, uh, whew, when you want to talk about crazy, go to Tokyo sometime. Um, yeah, So, wherever you uh, want to place the Shadowrun game in the world, you don't have to put it in Seattle. That's just where they started in the very first couple editions, and then they kept it there. And then it's moved on, obviously, with the expanse of the world. But check it out. You won't be disappointed. And, uh, you know, just remember, never trust a dragon.
1: <laughs> yeah, never make a deal with a dragon. Oh, make a deal with a dragon. Never make a deal with a dragon. And And never trust the smiling elf. Never trust a smiling elf. Oh, and one-third, Maxim. May the dice always always
0: roll roll in your favor. favor. We're We're out. out. See ya. (laughs)